Moncrief on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Anyway, time for Tell Me Why with Graham Finley. Today's question is, what exactly is nationalism? Graham, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. And may I say, yes. people of a certain age will remember when you couldn't just fly somewhere for the weekend. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. I remember saving up for years to go on my first trip to Europe, which had to be like three or four months because the flight was so expensive. Right? And Maybe that's now, the answer. Just make flight I, more expensive. I, I'd flown like two or three times in my, my life by that point, And I was 21. Whereas my children had probably flown three times before they were three years old, right? You know, it's yeah, I, you know, so it's um, it's it's a different world we live in now. Yeah. But not not that I don't avail of it all the time. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is a nation a real thing? Isn't just a made up concept? Well, this actually this is a really good time to bring out like some clarity to the notion of things being socially constructed, right? Mm. So if something is socially constructed, that means there's no sort of natural law which requires it to be a certain way right but that doesn't mean it isn't real yes right yeah, you know absolutely. if people behave yeah. on the basis as if it's real or people act differently because um they they have certain kinds of loyalties to the nation or or to any other social construct you know that will affect your life right you know mm. <laughs> i mean if you've got an army um and they believe that you you're the person you can give orders to to invade a country then it's 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 socially constructed but it's also very real yeah that's as uh, that's that's as real as it gets, really. Uh, the, uh, but now, so uh, um, what's the sta- uh, statement that that a nation is a daily referendum? What yeah. does that mean? Now, so well, that's a great line from from this guy Ernest Renan, who was one of these nineteenth century theorists of of the nation. And you know, the nation, arguably, in, in the words of him, John Stuart Mill, another great nineteenth century theorist, Benedict Anderson, a twentieth century theorist who saw nations as social constructs. And in the 19th century, they're just sort of noticing the the rise of the idea that the nation was going to be our dominant way of thinking about our communities, our dominant way of thinking politically. Uh, you know, but they immediately on at, at the get-go recognized that it was a social contract. And, and Renan's phrase is a really good one. The idea that it's a daily referendum uh, means that you know, we construct it every single day. You know, it's not just mm. like we decide at one point to say, all right, right, we're the Irish nation. Boom. So we just don't worry about it again. Yeah. If our attitudes changed, you know, um, our, our national identity would change. Um, what parts of the territory we thought was Ireland might change and so forth and, and has had to change under the the, the burden of, of, of events, as we know, in, in, in our history. So. So it, it's it's this active quality of of constantly renewing what the nation is, which attracted Ernest Renan and John Stuart Mill, who who saw nation building and and self determination of peoples, which is a sort of allied concept, um, as a something which we do as a people together. You know, and and what's really interesting is I was I was thought about this because. I think what we're going through right now is similar to what they were going through in the middle of the 19th century. They saw all these national self-determination struggles in Greece and Hungary and so forth, um, and they really sympathized with them. Uh, and they were extremely hostile to these reactionary empires like Russia, almost always, um, intervening or, or Turkey, you know, oppressing the Greeks mm. and things like that, which were multi-ethnic, multilingual, often multi-religion 
empires which would wanted to preserve their particular order and territory intervening to squash these national self-determination movements. And and people, just like people are out there shouting Slava Ukraini, and, you know, people would utter the uh, Greek slogan, freedom or death, or some of the other national slogans, and even in the case of people like Lord Byron, go and fight for them. You know, so it was a very romantic notion of the nation, which was really just emerging then. But even then, they realized that it was socially constructed, and it wasn't based in what I think a lot of people think about the nation, possibly now, in in the physical birth of a of a discrete ethnic group who all share the same blood. Right? Mm. Now, and that, that's well, then. Could you argue that there, if you like, what you've just described one version of nationalism, there's the other version of nationalism peddled by Putin about Russia and, and peddled by many parties around Europe as well, that it's some sort of intrinsic, almost genetic thing that you are, you know, it's a fixed quantity and, and Putin has this whole, now it's not his idea, he's stolen it from other fringy people, but that there's something uh, on, on a genetic level, the spirit of, of Russian people and that's actually not socially constructed. That's a rock solid reality. As yeah, far as although concerned. he thinks Ukraine is socially constructed. Yeah, of course he <laughs> does. Know? Yeah. So, so one of the interesting things about social construction is like you're always doing it, or right, whatever you're allied to is, is yeah. socially constructed. Mine has a basis in metaphysical reality, and again, that has a, a romantic history. There's the philosopher Herder who really, you know, against the cosmopolitanism of the Enlightenment, which saw people as largely individual human beings and 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 wanted a you know a, a sort of global peace through. Through everyone recognizing the same principles of reason and, and morality, you know, Herder had said enough of that. The real communities, the thing that matters, are languages and the spirit of the peoples, and those peoples should have their own destiny. And and you know, the metaphysics of this in Russia is not something I know as much about as I should, but also is is kind of murky. But there is this idea of the Russian soul, mm. right, and a sort of messianic Russian sort of mission to preserve all the family values Putin's normally talking about and all of the 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 sort of the particular religious quest that the the choice god has made to 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 have the russians redeem the sort of souls of all the rest of us through its its particular attachment to its its culture and its religion and you're seeing some of that play out i mean there've been quite uh, worrisome comments from russian church orthodox church leaders and things like that um and so Against Orthodox Ukrainians, right? You know, for, mm. for, for one thing. And, and so this, you know, it's not clear where this Russian soul resides. Uh, and I think it does highlight something about the empires which preceded the idea of self-determining nations, uh, which is that they weren't, you know, complete multicultural love fests. You know, they tended <laughs> to be dominated both by one nationality, even if they were multicultural, but also by a hierarchy with the, the king or the czar or, or the emperor at the top. Yeah, the the so if you could could you say is this that you think like the twentieth century was kind of the 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 century of the nation state uh, where the, those ideas came you know into fruition in the twenty first century nationalism I don't know if it's quite it's too far to say it's become a dirty word but a, a troubling word in, in many contexts it is a very troubling world word and and we we think of na when we hear about nationalists we think of someone who probably has the sort of blood and soil understanding of of what a nation is and sees it as you know something you can't join if you don't have the right kind of blood whatever that means right mm, again this is yeah. all extremely bogus science right but in any case you know it's so so we become turned off by that because maybe after the horrors of the second world war you know, the focus was on cosmopolitan notions of what should happen and how, how nations should be treated. 
which is human rights. But at the same time, we erected the principle of peoples uh, engaging in their self-determination in the Charter of the United Nations. And so we have this tension between peoples determining their uh, their own fate, and that, that's what we saw after World War I with uh, Woodrow Wilson's 14 points, the idea that all these multicultural empires like Austria-Hungary have to be broken up into Romania and Hungary and, and things like that. Mm. Uh, and it got really weird in some places. You know, these towns were being switched over all the time. But uh, so... They these clashed almost immediately and fell apart quite spectacularly, of course, with World War II. But uh, Hannah Arendt, in a really chilling sort of chapter, shows how both this national self-determination and the idea that minority peoples should nevertheless not be squashed and the refugee crisis, which Nazism produced, um, undermined our faith in both the self-determination of free peoples and in human rights. Because when these refugees showed up in countries like France or other countries, um, with only their human rights to protect them rather than the rights of citizens, people did not have the moral response which they were supposed to to the rights of human beings. But um, but And they realized pretty quickly that what they needed were citizens' rights. And so after World War II, you found people's feeling like the only way they could really protect themselves is to get themselves their own state with its own army, right, uh, and its own police force. Mm. Uh, and that has got an inbuilt uh, sort of incentive to ethnic cleansing because, you know, you really want to dominate this particular state. Uh, and and so, you know, we, we see that in a lot of, of contexts. The most obvious one is the Israeli-Palestine uh, issue. But uh, it's the, the, the conflict there and the, and the state of Israel. But the you know it is a general tension in our ways of thinking about how international morality should should work out and and i suppose it's that's why we should emphasize both human rights there are limits to what states can do to their own people or to people inside their territory but also self determination in that there's limits to what states can do to other states as yes. well um it also kind of throws up questions of or what is the the, the definition of a nationality because history changes things all the time, then those definitions change all the yeah, time. So they have to. They can't yeah, be fixed qualities. Right. And, and, and we define it for ourselves, right? Yeah. You know, again, Henry was going around asking people if they felt less Irish because they didn't speak Irish, right? Mm. You know, and um, that's something we have to sort of decide. We don't really, as a, as a country. But, you know, these, this is our constant, it's our daily referendum, you know, on, mm. on, on, the, on what it is to be Irish. And, and so... What was interesting about these 19th century thinkers is Renan said, you know, nation, nationhood doesn't just involve having the same history. So remembering the same events and saying, yeah, that's about me. Right. And of course, if you look at some countries like Serbia or various places, those memories or Afghanistan, right, or, 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 or whatever, they, mm. those memories go back a long way. Yeah. People are still worried about battles from the 13th century, right, you know, as against their, their rivals who are the people across the road, you know. Um, and, and so... This sense of a common history also, Renan says, requires a great deal of forgetting, right? Because you, 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 almost every nation involved, including the unification of countries we think of as quite unified, like France and Italy, right? Although if you know much about North-South Italian relations, you'd be disabused of that fast. But, you know, you know, involved a lot of internal repression and the forced assimilation of minorities like the Bretons, right, or the Highlanders in Scotland. Uh, and, you know, to a large extent, some of these people were okay with that. That's the price you pay for having a strong nation. But at the same time, you know, it involves a lot of force and loves a lot of cultural destruction. Uh, and it often involves the sort of expulsion or, or subjugation of various people. What's really interesting is these guys said, look, none of these individual things are a sufficient 
criterion for a nation. I'm going to use philosophy talk here. Like your yeah. language, the same history, the same language, the same territory. Um, uh, and but and none of them are necessary, right? You don't, you know, you can have a nation with with um, whose territory changes quite radically. That's actually sort of the case with Ukraine uh, to some extent. You you can have a nation where there are multiple languages. Um, you can have a nation Belgium, where yeah. people have only relatively recently been in the same place and experienced the same events together. So Mill always said it's the will, it's the desire to live under your own government which makes us a nation. Yeah, because I suppose even on this island that, that you know, go an hour up the road. Uh, there's a million odd people, many of whom regard themselves as Irish and British, which is kind of maybe difficult for people in other parts they aren't to get their head around. Yeah, and that's that, changing. That I mean, like apparently um, Ulster uh, Protestants or Ulster Northern Irish uh, Protestants or Loyalists used to describe themselves as Irish a whole lot more than they do now. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, in this, I mean, as we know in this country, you know, the territories are constantly changing. Uh, and actually, one of the interesting things is this whole like, idea, do you call it the Ukraine or Ukraine, mm. right? Um, and that's the difference between uh, a region, right, or a, a geographical area ah, right. and a country, Right. Yeah. So, I mean, imagine if you talked about the cork, right? Yeah. What the cork people were thinking right now. <laughs> they probably do call I, it I probably that, shouldn't the have even said that, right? You know, but we know we talk about the burin, but we don't talk about the cork, right? Yeah. You know, or the clare, <laughs> you know, and, and then that's because it's an entity. It's, I mean, and, and these entities have laws and they're, they're protected under international law to some degree. They have constitutions. Uh, and that's where we get a really interesting distinction between patriotism uh, of a bad sort. And there's a big question about, you know, is patriotism a virtue? Mm -hmm. um, uh, so nationalistic patriotism, jingoism, chauvinism, uh, or whether um, it, you could have a constitutional patriotism. So you're not patriotic about your blood, right, or your, 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 the fact that you were born in a particular place, but you're patriotic about the polity and the constitution of the country you've put together over the years. Yes, I remember once being in Denmark years ago, and it was for a telly thing. But the, uh, and we were, there was a local woman who worked for the tourist board, but she started reeling off me all these rules of things you couldn't do. You know, you're not allowed to cycle there, you're not allowed to walk there. And I was going, this is like, you know, this would be anathema to an Irish person. But she was really proud of it, about how well we've organised things here. And it was, you know, perhaps an example of uh, that kind of thing. I'm going to read out some uh, comments and people telling you just how wrong you are. Uh, Orla says, even though we have a relatively benign sense of nationalism for the most part here in Ireland, we have a well-defined idea that we are Irish. And in reality, the main reason it's so well established is simply because we live on an island. We are therefore detached from other cultures. Nationalism is mainly just an offshoot of geographical reality in the pre-globalised world. Graham says, nationalism is just a product of our natural urge to congregate in communities of us and them. In the Stone Age, it was your family or tribe. As time went by and people would travel further, it became your village, then your city, then your state, then your country. And for some people, it's now your continent. When the aliens came, and by God, we need them, presumably the us and them will be the whole world. Uh, Ed says that Sinn Féin is a nationalist party with a socialist agenda, ergo they are national socialists, uh, just like you know who. We can kiss our democracy... Kind of off the point, but well done, Ed, for trying to crowbar that one in. Uh, the problem with nation states is many have been artificially constructed like many countries in Europe, all of Africa and the Middle East and elsewhere, says the texter. Someone else says, what drives me nuts is when people mention Ireland being invaded by England, the context is all wrong and fundamentally misinformed. What happened between McMurrow and the Welsh Normans via Henry II during the 12th century was entirely normal for its time. What happened over the centuries since is a different matter and way more complex than simplistically calling it an 800-year-old war between Ireland and England or Britain. It wasn't. No, you're right, and probably most Irish people know that. 
just a, you know, when you're on your holidays in Spain, telling people about it, that's when you get it uh, simple. Uh, another text that says racism is a social construct. I deplore that racists have usurped the word nationalism and also usurped the Irish flag. It should be a crime to have your photo taken with the flag present if you are a white supremacist posing as a nationalist. Well, difficult one to prove in a court of law, I would have thought. And uh, someone, Paddy says, nationalism is essentially wrong. We are all human first. Of course, in Ireland, we, we have our take on nationalism called the GAA, where you are judged on the county you were born in and not the county you're living in. Counties are pitted against counties, parishes against parishes. Uh, says Paddy God you yeah. make this GA sound awful uh, on the basis of that uh, Graham thanks a million as ever for coming into us uh, Graham Finley there you are listening to the Moncrief show on News Talk we're going to take a break after that getting hypnotised at the movies Moncrief on News Talk brought to you by Avant Money think you're getting the best value from your bank think again